the three wise men. Some of you may know the story in Matthew where um, Jesus has been born, and it gives us an account of wise men who traveled a long distance because they saw a star, and they had read the stars and were familiar with astrology, and they knew this was a sign of the Messiah. So they followed this star to where Jesus was. Now, tradition tells us, you know, when we see the the nativity scene that the three wise men are standing there looking at baby Jesus in a manger, that's actually not true, okay? It didn't happen like that. Um, It actually took them two years to get to Jesus. So by the time they got to Jesus, Jesus was no longer in a manger and he was no longer a baby. The other thing that we're not certain about is whether there were actually three. And it's very doubtful that there were only three wise men. It's very convenient for a tidy nativity scene. But in reality, there were actually many more than three wise men. Some people say that they could have been a representative from each of the lost tribes of Israel. Some people say that there actually could have been as many as 400 of them traveling together. It was like a pilgrimage. And the reason they say that is because they got Herod's attention. If it was just three men, Herod would have wiped them out and gone, like, let's just put these guys away because they're searching for a king. He's a very insecure man, King Herod. And so he would have just done something with them there and then. But the fact that they got his attention and then they were able to carry on, some people say that there was actually an army traveling, searching for Jesus. But the thing that Sam and I want to bring to you today is this idea that wise men seek Jesus. This fundamental truth that the beginning of wisdom is actually the worship of God. And Proverbs tells us that true worship of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The world thinks that wisdom is found in all sorts of other places, but you know, you can have a head full of knowledge and be no good to anybody. Anyone met anyone like that? You're sitting next to that person, don't put your hand up. I mean, our universities are pumping out people with papers, aren't they, who are actually no earthly good. They know a bunch of stuff, but they have no wisdom. There's a big difference between knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And Proverbs tells us that the beginning of wisdom, it all starts with a fear and a worship of God. Proverbs tells us that above all things, get wisdom. Proverbs tells us that wisdom is more valuable than rubies and gold and silver, and you should search for wisdom as you would search for a lost treasure. If I told you today that out in the car parking lot there was the biggest diamond that ever existed, you would turn over that car park. You'd have like those digger things going, jackhammers, (laughs) getting that out. You would search for that treasure. And the scripture tells us to search for wisdom as you would any treasure. That wisdom is so important. Why is it important? Because it teaches you how to thrive in life. Wisdom teaches you how to win in life. Wisdom is a pathway to blessing. I'll say that again. Wisdom is the pathway to blessing. If you want to live a blessed life, seek wisdom. If you want to win at life, seek wisdom. Wisdom is the pathway to blessing. And so the book of Proverbs talks about three types of people. 
So in this room, in your workplace, in your family, in the community, Proverbs tells us there are three types of people. Some of us love, you know, like those um, personality quizzes that put people in boxes. Some of us, I'm a little bit of the other thing. I hate those things that put people in boxes. That's probably my personality type. Um, but unfortunately, Proverbs actually says, no, there are three types of people. And if you've read Proverbs, you'll know what I'm about to say. There are wise people. There are, and it's very unkind, there are just fools. And there are evil people. And for those of us who are real, like think the best of everyone, we find it hard to believe that evil people actually exist, but they do. Proverbs promises there are people that are just bent on evil. But it tells us, we'll leave those ones today, but we, it tells us that there's wise and foolish. And it contrasts them all the way through Proverbs. It contrasts a wise person and a foolish person. And so this morning and tonight, we want to name some wise men for you. We want to name what wisdom might look like. And there are so many. But the question I want you to be asking all the time is, which one am I? Am I the wise person or am I the fool? Which one am I? And so as we name them, I want to invite our first wise man to the stage. His name is Measured. Let's welcome Mr. Measured. Here he is. And he is such a wise man, this one. Here we go. Yeah, here he is. <laughs> a wise person, take a seat, Mr. Measured. A wise person is measured in their words and in their actions. A wise person is measured in their words and in their actions. In Proverbs, it talks a lot about our words. It talks a lot about how we speak. And so we need to have slow words, Proverbs says. In Proverbs 17, 27 to 28, it says, He who has knowledge, a wise person, spares his words. And a man of understanding has a cool spirit. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is considered wise. <laughs> so there's hope for fools. It's okay. <laughs> if a fool closes his lips, he's esteemed a man of understanding. We need to have slow words. Scripture tells us we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. You have two ears and one mouth. You should be doing twice as much listening as speaking. The problem is many of us act foolishly and we speak too much. For someone here this morning, maybe you just need to walk away with this revelation. Shut up. <laughs> Stop talking so much. A wise person has slow words. Slow to speak, quick to listen. A wise person has soft words. Proverbs 15 says, and the whole proverb is quite amazing, it says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. Verse 4, a wholesome tongue, a wise tongue, is a tree of life. It soft words, it brings life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so, do so. We need to have soft words. 
We need to have strategic words. If we look at how communication and how words originated, we will realize that the primary function of language is actually not communication, but creation. The first thing God did when he spoke was create. The primary function of your words is not communication, but creation. Proverbs tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Every word that you speak creates something. I want to ask you, what are you creating with your words? Are your words strategic words? We need to have slow words. We need to have soft words. And we need to have strategic words. I want to ask you, do your words build up or do they pull down? Do your words create or do they destroy? We need to have strategic words. Proverbs 14 verse 1 says this, A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one pulls it down with her own hands. So I want to ask you, what are your words doing? Our homes need to be improving every day as we work on our words towards our loved ones. We need to constantly be speaking high hopes over each other, standards of faith and expectancy and positivity. You know, just last week I was um, at the shopping centre and, and um, I often don't bring my children. There's a point, mums, shopping centres are not for children. Please spare us all and don't bring your children to the shops. But this one particular time I had no option and so we quickly went and I took my two boys, the youngest two. And um, so they needed a break so we were in the play area. And my heart broke as I watched some of the parenting taking place in that playground. Parents literally calling out, this one mother calling out to her son going, you're such a naughty boy. And I sat there and my heart broke. This kid was obnoxious and and running around doing these sorts of things, but he was living up to the expectation of her words. As she was labeling him, he was just living up to her expectations. I remember a long time ago, um, Judah was playing up and I said to him, I got down to his level and I said, you're not a naughty boy. You're an amazing, wise, kind young boy who's choosing to do naughty things. There's a big difference between putting a label on a kid saying you're naughty and saying, no, you're actually wise, but right now you're choosing the wrong thing. You have a choice, Judah, to think before you behave that way. Our words are so powerful. What we create in our expectation is cast out in our words. So I want to ask you, are you wise with your words? Are you measured with your words? A wise person is also measured in their actions. And here's a beautiful contrast between the fool and the wise. (laughs) I love how Proverbs just says it how it is, right? Are you ready? Okay. It says this in Proverbs 14. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. If you stay calm, you are wise. But if you have a hot temper, you only show how stupid you really are. Anyone unclear on that? (laughs) Further explanation required? No. We are measured in our actions. 
We're measured in our actions. I spoke in October with Sam on a panel, a relationships panel, and I spoke a little bit about emotional intelligence. And um, I got a lot of questions about that. The book I referred to was Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. And in it, he speaks about emotional intelligence. That emotional intelligence means not only we're aware, okay, I'm upset right now, but we're aware as to what our triggers were to bring us to that point. And then emotional intelligence goes well beyond that. And most people don't do what it takes to grow their emotional intelligence. Because emotional intelligence isn't just aware. Emotional intelligence then self-regulates and self-manages. It's not about hiding your emotions or denying them. It's about choosing how to respond to your triggers. Just because you're aware doesn't mean your triggers are going to suddenly stop happening to you. It just means now you have a choice whether you will respond appropriately or whether you'll fly off the handle and react inappropriately. And so he talks in this book, amazing book that I would recommend to anyone, about managing our emotions and moderating our responses. And this takes wisdom. A wise person knows how to measure their actions and it allows you to stay one step ahead of your emotions. Don't react. I remember one time the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, Carolina, don't react, respond. Don't react, respond. Don't live in a hazy, reactionary world that is at the mercy of your emotions. Live in a clear, measured, responsive world that is governed by wisdom. A wise person is measured. For many, many years, I remember walking out of meetings going, I should just never go to any more meetings because I would walk out so disappointed in the way that I had reacted, in the way I'd put myself across. I knew I was an intelligent person. I knew I offered a valuable contribution to the meetings. I knew God had called me to those settings and yet I would walk out time after time disappointed in myself and thinking, just would do the world a favor if I stopped going to meetings. Until I started to monitor my emotions and measure my responses. Until I went to the Holy Spirit and said, God, I actually want to grow in this area. I want wisdom in this area so that I can fulfill the calling. I know you've put me there. I know I can contribute. I know I have something to bring, but I need you to help me grow in this area so that I can fully step into what it is you have for me. And so I started to journal and I started to ask myself questions like, what is it in me that's causing me to react like this? What is triggering me? What are the personality types in the room that bring out the best in me? And what are the personality types that bring out the worst in me? And being aware of that. What um, conversations stir up a good passion in me? And what conversations stir up a really unhealthy thing in me? I start to ask questions about what cues do I need to become sensitive to in myself? How can I respond in a more constructive manner? And once I started to journal through all of this, I then wrote down a bunch of non-negotiables and I would, <laughs> I would actually walk into every meeting having gone over these non-negotiables. And I looked back through my notes in my phone, and the first time I did this was in 2015. I'm recent, you know, reasonably new at this. 
But my non-negotiables became things like only speak in honour. If there is a person being discussed and they're not present, only speak in a way that will honour them. If it's a situation that I have an opinion on, if it's a negative opinion, don't say anything at all. If it's a positive opinion, bring it in a constructive, soft manner. Always be constructive. I made another non-negotiable that I would try to ask more questions rather than make statements. I made another non-negotiable that I would only speak fact, not opinion. People say that opinions are like armpits, everyone has them and they usually stink. <laughs> so speak less opinion and speak more fact. Stay cool. Preserve the relationships in the room and the dignity of everyone in the room. Smile. I had to put that on my checklist. Smile. I'm a passionate person that gets caught up in things. I had to remind myself, smile. Is it okay to be honest with you this morning? Yeah. Smile. And Carolina, when you start to get upset, stop speaking. <laughs> stop speaking. Stop speaking. Forgive instantly in that moment. Choose to forgive instantly in that moment and seek to understand quietly. And so I want to ask you, are you measured? A wise person is measured. Wisdom is the pathway to blessing. If you want to live a blessed life, you will seek wisdom. You'll seek to grow in these areas. So our first wise man, Mr. Measured, we need to we need to measure our words. We need to have slow words, soft words, strategic words. We need to measure our actions. Have emotional intelligence that responds appropriately. Our second wise man, can we have him on the stage? This is Mr. Teachable. Hello, Mr. Teachable. <laughs> Looking very wise with that hat on. <laughs> A wise person is a teachable person. A fool wears a shirt that says, what I don't know isn't worth knowing. But a wise person is a teachable person. And here's a beautiful contrast. Here's a beautiful contrast between the fool and the wise. Proverbs 9. Whoever corrects a fool invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Have you ever done that? brought truth to someone and they shoot the messenger, right? So it says here, don't even bother correcting a fool because they're just going to turn on you, all right? Don't rebuke mockers or fools because they'll hate you. But here's the contrast. Rebuke a wise person and they'll love you. Instruct a wise person and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Okay, diagnostics. Are you ready? How to diagnose a fool or a wise person? Are you ready? How do they respond to the truth? How do they respond will tell you which category they fall into, whether they're wise or foolish. A fool hates you for, for bringing the truth to them. And a fool often externalizes the problem. They cannot see themselves in the problem. 
So they'll immediately come up with excuses. Oh, well, it's because this, or it's because that, or it's because this, it's because that. That's a foolish person. A foolish person never takes responsibility for the problem. A wise person, on the other hand, thanks you for bringing the truth to them. It doesn't mean they enjoy it. It doesn't mean the experience has been lovely for them. But they thank you for bringing the truth to them. They learn from it and they accept their part in the problem. And this is important because without assuming responsibility, you will never grow. You cannot outsource personal development. So when the truth is brought to us, how do we respond? A wise person says, thank you, I'm gonna take that on board and do what I need to do to grow in this scenario. A wise person shrugs it off diminishes it, ignores it, and hates the messenger who sent it to them. And so the Bible actually tells us just to not even bother going there. And so if you're the sort of person and leaders in your life have stopped talking to you, it's probably an indicator that they've tried before and you've shrugged it off and they're no longer doing it. We take truth to a wise person and they'll thank you and they'll move on. You take more truth, they'll thank you and they'll grow. It's really, really, really important. Wisdom is the pathway to blessing. And I'm going to keep saying it this morning. If you want to live a blessed life, you will seek wisdom. Being teachable sets you up for a blessed future. Being teachable. I seize every opportunity I have when I'm with Pastor Mark, our boss that we'll have a conversation, you know, lighthearted, whatever, but I always ask him, Pastor Mark, what can I change? I will never, ever leave an opportunity to be taught and corrected. I want him to correct me. Can I promise you, I never enjoy what he tells me. I never enjoy him saying, well, Carolina, you could work on this area. It's never something I like to hear. But I do it every time because a teachable person grows. A teachable person moves in the direction that God wants them to move in. When we have guest ministries who come and Sam and I take them out for lunch, we ask them, what did you notice? Often, the stuff they tell us is a little bit embarrassing. Well, I noticed this and they're like, great, mental note, we need to fix that. But we ask it so that we can grow, so that we can improve. When you ask a trusted person, you grow. Seeking advice and being submitted allows you to flourish and grow into your God-given potential. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. We all think we're right. Otherwise, we wouldn't think it. Right? We're all think, we all think we're right. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 15, 31 to 33. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline actually despise themselves. But he who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. You flip that and pride comes before a fall. Humility comes before honor. Do you know there's a right and a wrong way to do everything? And often the dis- difference is the advice you take and whether you submit to that advice. Sam and I have been in ministry for 
in ministry for a bunch of years and we've seen a lot of people leave church well, actually not well, and very few people leave church well. It's sad and it often comes down to this principle. There is a right way to move on from your job. There is a right, right way to move on into your next season. There is also a wrong way to do it. And usually it comes down to teachability. Um, we've seen many people move in and out of ministry and honestly, I can only think of one or two people who have done it really well. Everyone else has come to their leadership and gone, God told me. And when you use the God told me card with your leader, your leader cannot trump God. Like if God told you, who is your leader to say, well, I disagree with God? That's the wrong way to do it. But Sam and I, we have this one colleague years ago who came to Pastor Mark with this dream in his heart. And God had honestly spoken to him about taking um, his family into a remote part of Australia and uh, planting a church, starting from the ground up. And so he came to Pastor Mark and he said, this is the dream in my heart. This is what I believe God has told me, but I'm submitting this to you. And Mark said, well, I don't disagree with you. Um, but I can see you're open to doing this well. And so Mark actually walked this journey with him for two more years. Mark dragged that out for two years. And by the time this guy was ready to go, ready to be released, we were all so excited for him because he'd done it so well. He was ready to go two years ago, so he thought. But he submitted his dream to his leader and he left with blessing and he's flourishing. And I see many people, and I have seen many people, who just go without counsel, and not, only, not necessarily without counsel, maybe they got counsel, but went against that counsel, and it has always come back to bite them on the butt. Always. Always. I've seen it over and over again. I'm thankful for people who do it well. I'm thankful for people who use counsel and wisdom in their transitions. I know, and I really want to honour Simon and Sandy Oswald, who handed this church onto Sam and I four years ago, because they did the transition so well. Surrendered, submissive, kind, patient, and they handed it on to two rookies who had no idea what they're doing, only spoke well of us, they only spoke well of Mark and Lee's decisions. They, you know, I'm sure, I have no doubt that they had questions and probably different ideas and different opinions, but none of them were ever, ever made public. They only spoke well. What did that do? That meant you and I, we didn't have to struggle through transition. That meant we could just hit the ground running and keep moving forward. They set Sam and I up for our future. They set you up for your future. Guess what? They set themselves up for their future and they're flourishing and thriving now in the next season of their lives. Yeah. That's what teachability and submission does. And I'm so thankful for people like that. But in your sphere, what does godly counsel mean? In your marriage, Godly counsel is not going to your girlfriend and gossiping about your husband. That is not godly counsel. <laughs> if you need marriage counseling, get marriage counseling. If you need to see someone, see someone. What does it look like in your finance? Do you need to see a financial planner? Do you need to get your budget in order? Wisdom. 
Wisdom leads to blessing. If you want to live a blessed life, you will seek wisdom to move forward. What about in your career? What about in your walk with Jesus? What does godly counsel look like? With your boss, have you ever asked your boss, am I doing this in the manner you want it done? Have you ever asked your boss, how can I do my job better for you? If you're the boss, have you got a career coach? Are you moving yourself forward? Seeking advice and being teachable allows us to do life well. And our wise man number three, Mr. Diligent. Here he is. Oh, he certainly is, this guy. <laughs> you know, winning awards all over the place. Mr. Diligent. In, um, in her book, The Battlefield of the Mind, Joyce Meyer talks about this in an amazing way, and I recommend this to everybody. You need to read this. This should be textbook for Christians. Proverbs, she leads us to Proverbs 6, and, and Proverbs 6 talks about the ant. Let me read it to you. Go to the ant, oh you sluggard. Anyone a sluggard or lazy person? Don't put your hand up. Consider the ant's ways and be wise. She has no chief, overseer or ruler, but she provides her food in the summer and gathers her supplies in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O oh sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to lie down and sleep. Here contrasts the difference between a wise and a foolish person is diligence and laziness. A wise person is diligent. A foolish person is lazy. Do you know, we can constantly come to, come to God in prayer and say, God, I need you to provide financially. And he will and he can. But unless you do something with your finances, you're going to have to keep coming back to that place of God, help me in my finances. That's why Proverbs says, seek wisdom, because wisdom will teach you how to set yourself up for a life of blessing. So you're not constantly banging on the door of heaven for God to do something you could have organized yourself. They say, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach him how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. This is what Proverbs does. This is what Proverbs does. And Joyce says, People who always need someone else pushing them will never do anything truly great with their lives. And the ant, it says there, has no chief, has no boss, has no one telling her how to do it, but she gets it done. She gets it done. A wise person has the passion, the faith, and the tenacity to get up each day with the motivation required to live their best God-ordained life. They don't need someone reminding them of the checklist for the day. They don't need someone getting them out of bed and winding them up. A wise person is diligent like the ant. We only have one shot at this life. And for the world to improve, it needs Christ followers who are diligent with their one and only life. That is the only way the world is going to improve. The government's not going to do it. Corporations and big business are not going to do it. The church that is diligent with its one and only life will get the job done and improve the world. Matthew 20, 16 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. What this means is that many people are called by God and given the opportunity 
to do something great for him. But very few people take up the responsibility of that call. Many are called, but few are chosen. Lots of people want to have everything and do nothing. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Proverbs 10.4 says, You become poor if you work with a slack and idle hand, but the hand of the diligent is made rich. Diligent people are not afraid to do the hard things. And we see it with um, all through Scripture. Greatness is on the other side of inconvenience. Greatness is on the other side, not this side. Your greatness is on the other side of inconvenience. And greatness is doing what everyone else is trying to avoid. That's wisdom. Thomas Edison, the man who created the light bulb, failed 1,000 times. He failed 1,000 times to create the light bulb. A reporter asked him, how did you feel failing 1,000 times? Edison replied, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was just an invention with 1,000 steps. But he's famous for this quote, opportunity is missed by most because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. Opportunity is missed by many people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like hard work. In your workplace, you should be the answer to your boss's problems. I didn't say be another one of your boss's problems. Be an answer to your boss's problems. Make their life easier. Listen to their suggestions and take them as orders. And watch your life take a turn for the better where you'll find favour with God and man. Great scripture for anyone who's employed and employees. Proverbs 10 verse 26. As vinegar is to the teeth and smoke is to the eyes, so is a lazy person to the employer who sent him. You need to solve your boss's problems. If you want favour and blessing, you need to be diligent. You need to be a problem solver. Self-assessment. How do I grade my personal work? Is my performance an A, a B, a C, worse? Am I doing my days as unto the Lord? Like an ant who has no boss, We need to know we shouldn't need someone cracking a whip over us because God's watching. God has given us an assignment. We are integrous. We are diligent. We are wise. A wise person is a diligent person. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, before we do that, let's thank our wise men. Thank you for being so wise. Sam's going to introduce us to three more out of the 400. So we're only covering six. But um, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I mentioned at the beginning that a wise man seeks Jesus. And ultimately, the greatest name you can receive as a wise person is a seeker. Someone who is seeking Jesus. And we like to close every service with an invitation to people who don't know Jesus as the Lord and Saviour of their lives and want to respond with wisdom and say, I know that this is my pathway to blessing. 
I know coming into surrender to a Saviour is my pathway to wholeness, is my pathway to healing, is my pathway to the life that God intended me to live. And maybe you're here this morning and you have never ever made a connection with Jesus and His Holy Spirit and the Father God. But maybe you did a while ago and you've walked away and you honestly say, I have not been living a wise life. Well, Proverbs tells you no matter where you're at, that the beginning of your path to blessing starts with a worship of God and seeking Him. You can have head knowledge, you can know stuff, but without wisdom, which is given by the Spirit, it's no good anyway. I want to invite you this morning, if you don't know Jesus really in a real and active way in your life, I'd love for you to raise your hand so I can pray with you in a moment. Is that you? Would you just raise your hand as I look across? You want to respond this morning to this invitation. So look across. Thank you, Lord. Father, for the rest of us here this morning, I thank you that we're all on a journey. Father, that you take us from glory to glory to glory. I thank you that your, your Bible, the Word, the Word of God, the very breath of God, is our instruction manual for life. I thank you that in it, it is the truth about how to thrive, how to walk in blessing, how to advance in this life that you've given us. Father, I pray that we would be a people who are diligent with our one and only lives, who are teachable, Father God, who are measured and kind, Lord God, who are wise. Father, I pray this morning for a fresh impartation of the spirit of wisdom into every single one who is seeking this morning. Everyone who will say, I want to seek out wisdom, I pray, Lord God, that you would do what your word says and generously give us the spirit of wisdom today for our every circumstance, for our every conversation, for our every decision, for our every moment. Father God, I pray that we would be wise people, making an impact in this world the way that you want us to. Father, your plan, your plan is us to bring change, to bring transformation. And we will do that, Lord God, as we're diligent with our lives. Father, I thank you for revelation this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Why don't we give God a hand this morning? Awesome.